welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. I invite you to remain standing as we join in this prayer. As mentioned, in case you missed last week, this was a prayer I found in my late grandfather's files that knit us together as we pray together. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace and your love in your goodness and yourself in your love and all in the face of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. This is the text of the day from the Gospel of Mark, selected verses out of Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 35 and 45 through 47. We will leave out the specific encounter of the feeding of the thousands that Jesus had, but look for the rhythm of engagement and rest, of work and renewal. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. And then picking up in verse chapter 45, after the encounter of the feeding of the 5,000, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. Oh God, remind us the timeless truth of the words of the psalmist, that those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. For you, O God, are our refuge, our place of safety, You are our God, in you we place our trust. And may your spirit now stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be transformed and changed into your words for your people in this your day. For it is in the name of Christ that we pray, it is in the name of Christ that we gather, and it is in the name of Christ we will go forth into the world proclaiming your truth. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Think about it for just a moment. 
Go to the grocery store with me, wherever your favorite grocery store is. Imagine you're not in a hurry, but does anybody go to the grocery store to say, how long can I spend in here? <laughs> well, let me take back that answer. We were at a birthday party for a one-year-old last night. Uh, uh, five different families had gathered and there were like seven or eight kids running around. And from the conversation of the mothers, I would contend that there may be a few mothers who say, how long can I take at the grocery store without the kids? But when you're at the grocery store, you're thinking, I you know, pick these things up, I need to get this task accomplished. And if you've only got eight items to pick up, you're probably going to go to the what? The self-checkout or the 10 items or 12 items or less aisle. But what do you think and what happens inside your soul and your being when you get in that line and you look up and someone with 35 items <laughs> is in front of you. If we were really honest, I mean, if we were really honest friends, you're probably thinking, can I take out my cross and beat the stupid out of you? And that's not a Christian thing you can do. Think about it this way. How many of you, when you get your items, let's say, Doug, you've got 17 items and you know you can't go through the 12 items or less checkout. You're following the rules. You're just looking for the checkout line that says, this one's going to take a really, really long time. Stand here. They don't do that, do they? I want you to think about the commerce and trade in our world is defined by expediency. Everything you are driven to be programmed in our culture is ease and quickness and convenience. It's everywhere. Even when you go to the simple thing like the Whataburger, you just want to get a Whataburger, and the first thing they say is, would you like the meal, right? I mean, look, I, I'm victim to this. I, I had the Whataburger app, and the other day as we were driving to Dallas, we needed to pick up something to eat, and Sean said, let me take your phone, I'll order on your app. And she goes, oh my gosh, how often do you go? You've got like six rewards. <laughs> you know, just convenience, right? A very little effort, get what we want. Just a simple remote control. And for all you younger people in here and watching online, I want you to watch carefully. Pan out if you can, Jason. Raise your hand in here if you were the remote control growing up, right? Y'all remember the days of the vice grip? You know, tick, 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 when the little plastic thing, or you go to the UHF channel and you had to dial and stand just right. Raise your hand if you used aluminum foil on the rabbit ears, right? A younger generation has no clue about that because they don't have to do anything other than open up the phone, log on to an app, and watch the show, and they can even fast forward through the commercials. So not everything's bad with the modern conveniences. We don't do well planning to rest. We just don't. Because everything around us in the pace of our culture, climate, and world is about expediency and getting things done and efficiency. Even when you think about the consumer nature of our world, if you look very carefully, you will notice that the cereal boxes are getting bigger and the contents are getting smaller. And you're being told the whole way along, this price has been reduced. They've never led with 
four ounces less or three servings less. It's part of the message of the culture. So Jesus walks into this culture in the midst of what's happening in the sixth chapter of Mark. If you get your Bibles out and you do some studying, look, what's happening within the context of the text? Jesus has heard in Mark's reading about the death of John the Baptist, his cousin. It's been a difficult news to hear. A difficult news to hear. He goes to the place, he's gathered disciples, he wants to pull them apart. And, and there's this rhythm of engagement and separation, engagement and rest, a time of solitude and a time of being together. Orion Mountain Dreamer has a marvelous poem that ends this way. I want to know if you can live with your failures, yours of mine, and sit beside the lake with your toes in and the light of the silver moon all alone. And are you okay with the company that you keep in that moment of solitude? I love that imagery. When you are alone and the world is slow, are you okay with the company you keep when it's just you? Jesus withdrew time and again. He engaged and he withdrew. And if we think about the entire aspect of the biblical imagery, the Shabbat, the Sabbath rest within the Hebrew faith, has largely been lost within the Christian culture. And we need to recapture some of that. I mean, it's really, really amazing and fascinating. Whenever you're in the Holy Land in Israel and it comes up on Shabbat and you're approaching the sunset, and for those of you who are not familiar, the calendar of the day within the Hebrew faith, the Jewish faith, the day begins at sunset and it ends at sunrise. So if you look at Genesis, you'll see it was night and it was day, and then it was the next night and day. It's a different rhythm. Isn't that fascinating? Think just about that. That the beginning of the day is not the busyness, but the time of moving to rest, the time of gathering. And when you stay at hotels, they'll post the signs clearly, this is called the Shabbat elevator. It means that there's such a rigidity of not working and doing, you can't push the button. Lights are on timers. They take so seriously, pausing the busyness to rest. They prepare meals ahead of time. Ovens are even on timers built specifically for that area where all the food is prepared before the sunset of Shabbat. And everything is on autopilot, if you would. Do you have that kind of rest? Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. A survey from Microsoft recently said that 77% of young adults say yes when they are asked, when nothing is occupying my time, the first thing I do is I reach for my... See, you saw the same results. Ronald Walhauser says it this way, we're distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. The great saint, the church, Augustine, Bishop Augustine from North Africa said, entering silence is entering into joy. 
Even C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters says that demons will rail against science and the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise. And that we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. That the drive of evil is just to make it loud as it can be. In renown, the great author of spiritual development said this, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life We don't take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and to listen to God. So friends, how are you doing following this way of Christ? Since the Reformation, we as Protestants, from the Protestant Reformation and the work of Martin Luther, have done a beautiful task of being able to engage the teachings of the church. Uh, Some of the hallmarks of the Reformation are actually right before you. This this is actually one of the greatest hallmarks of the Reformation. If you notice within the church, which way does the Bible face the people? Because part of the Reformation was getting the text in the language that was accessible to the people to read the text and not place the priest as the sole intercessor on what could or could not be shared, but to say, let the text be in your hands. Isn't it amazing what God can do when his text moves in the heart of people? It creates amazing things like take time to be holy across several different languages and many different continents. And so the text is available to us. But what we've forgotten in some of the rhythms is a rich part of the church up until the Reformation called the way of Christ. There is the teaching of Christ, but the way of Christ is to embrace the understanding that as one who follows Christ, there is a way that is distinctive of Christ. Not just what you believe and what you assent to intellectually, but how you choose to engage that. Or as James says it, faith without works is dead. And my friends, you may biblically be justified by faith, but you are going to be judged by your fruit. For time and again, Paul and Jesus talks about the fruit of the kingdom, the fruitfulness. How are we doing bearing fruit of being restful? How are we doing bearing fruit of creating space not to add another layer of busyness, but a place of rest to be restored, to be recreated by God? We've filled our lives at times with so much noise that we have difficulty being attuned to God. So what we need to listen in to this text is to realize how Jesus prioritized spending time alone, even with the busyness and call. Listen to the text. His goal was to carve out time to be alone and take the disciples with him. And when he lands in Mark chapter 6, just listen to the text. Listen to the magnificent beauty of the text. Jesus is moved. He's heard about the death of John the Baptist. He wants to withdraw. He's hurting. He's not in the most amazing place. But then he sees that all these people are like sheep without a shepherd. And he meets their needs. He draws the disciples into meeting those needs. In one of the texts, they say, Jesus, there's, there's no McDonald's and the Whataburger's closed. Look at all these people. What are you going to do for them? And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And the first response of the disciples is, whoa, 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 that would cost so much. 
You see, the the way of Christ already itching to be a part of who we are in our human journey. Jesus saying, you get involved. You give them something to eat. But recognizing that as he's on the Sea of Galilee, he sends them to the northeastern side. He sends them over to Bethsaida. He says, look, you go on ahead. And he withdraws at a time and place to be alone. And that's why we picked up the rhythms of the text. And if you read more in Mark, you will find that what happens is the disciples begin to get distressed because of a storm and Jesus walks into the storm to meet them. We need to be able to follow the way of Christ that calls us to a spirit and a rhythm of rest and engagement, of rest and being present with people. Do you remember the book in 1998 uh, called Fish? It was about a, a person who went to the fishmonger's place at Pike's Market in Seattle. I've been there. It's really kind of fascinating. Behind this large counter, they will throw these big salmon fish back and forth and back and forth. They capture everybody's attention. They draw them in. You're watching these big salmon throw, throw, catch, catch. And while you're looking this way, they reach down and they grab this large stuffed salmon. It looks so real. And the next one that gets thrown isn't to the guy behind the counter. It just gets lost across the counter out into the audience. And everybody's like, ah. And there's this whole book written about the culture that's created by these people who literally are the fishmongers. Uh, one is, how do you make this a joyful place? Why is this so wonderful? And they say four things. First, choose your attitude. Second, play. Third, make the day of the person in front of you. In other words, they're literally gutting fish and making everybody's day. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? But they're thinking for the person on the other side of the counter, how do they make their day? And then point number four, which I I quote all these because they say, be present in the moment. You see, be about resting is about being fully present in the moment where you are. When you think about your rest, do you literally just say, man, I can't wait just to turn everything off. Look, I do sometimes. Here's one thing I've learned for myself. Um, It's not been an easy season the last couple of months in the life of the church. It's not likely to slow down. And what I have found is a clue that I need to be intentional about my own rest. Is that when I get into my truck and the first thing I do is make sure that the radio is turned off. I'm that irritating guy in a white tundra that drives 32 miles an hour down Woodland Hills Drive, not 53. Because I just need to slow down. I find myself at time not even turning on the TV. Coming in and greeting Sean, we visit and I find myself settling into a chair just to be for a moment. And then, of course, I've got to make sure I know when the Astros are playing so I don't miss that, right? I've got my priorities. I rest, but I have my priorities. And I ask, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with the pace of your life and recognizing the way of Christ that calls us into a full engagement with the world but calls us also to a full engagement with Christ?
And I want to take dead aim here about what's being talked about because it's about what you believe about who Christ is. This is so significant because if you think Christ is just sort of a way of a person or a suggestion, then, 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 don't, then don't expect much. But, but listen to the way C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be a lunatic or on level with a man who says he is a poached egg. How's that for someone who's from Britain? We would say in Texas, a scrambled egg. Or he would even be the devil himself. You must make your choice. Either Jesus was and is the Son of God, or else he is a madman or something else. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to do so. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the model for how we live in relationship to God. Not only the one to whom you give your life, but the way that you follow. Why do our kids do flipped? They don't do it so they can get community service hours. They don't do it so they can feel better about themselves. They do flip because we have created a culture in which they say, you are called to live into Matthew 25 to see the face of Christ in your neighbor. You are called to put flesh on the faith. You are called not only to speak the faith, but to live the faith. To understand it's about who you believe in and how you live that in loving your neighbor. Why are we engaged in redemptive ministries in the world across the ethnic boundaries? Not because we want to feel better about ourselves, but because God has called us to see the face of Christ in every individual, regardless of who they are. And that is who we will continue to be. Amen. We are people who see not only who Christ is, but the way of Christ. And so church, I'm telling you, Slow down. In the words of the hymn we sang, take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. And in those moments of stillness, be sure you are engaging the magnificent spiritual disciplines of the reading of Scripture. For it is in those still, quiet, intentional moments that you will find the beauty and power of Scripture for God to reveal to you His heart, His love, and who He is, who He was, and who He always will be. Slow down, church. Find time to rest. Let us pray. God, we ask that you would forgive us when we confuse the busyness of what we want to do with being faithful. God, we confess that oftentimes we really are rather pathetic in our daily disciplines of Scripture and listening and being present with you, and then somehow we think we can just make up for that with a few extra busy moments. 
Help us to allow our lives not to be determined by the rhythms of the world and the whims of culture, but to literally choose to fall at the feet of Christ and to recognize that you truly did not leave up to us the option of whether we would be able to define who Christ is. But we always have the option to receive who you proclaim him to be as revealed in the scriptures. This week, God, when we slow down and we rest, help us to let the Bible read us as much as we read the Bible. For this we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen.